Hi, I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Sitter Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Welcome to episode 138. If this is your first time... Hello. And if you are joining us again, we thank you so much for taking the time today to listen. Thank you also to Pet Sitters Associates and Texas Pet Sitters Association for sponsoring this episode. It is the last few days of 2020, and I don't think anyone is sad about that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you have taken this this holiday season and reflected a little bit and used some of the lessons from this year to kind of propel yourself into 2021. Hopefully next year will be a whole lot better than this year. Yeah, there are a lot of signs pointing to a much better year with the vaccine, with the fact that all these puppies have been adopted and all these cats as well. And so there are a lot of new pet owners out there. So there are a lot of things to be excited about moving forward. Today is the last installment of our Back to Basics series, and we're going to talk about a big one today, walks. We would consider this the bread and butter of the pet care industry. Midday dog walks are a huge piece of the pie, or at least they were. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, we do need to start off by talking about how 2020 changed this part of the pet care industry. Prior to 2020, many businesses exclusively did walks, and many others found that they comprised well over 70% of the business that they were doing. And maybe that was your business. Yeah, And there's even an entire platform, a new platform dedicated to dog walks, WAG and Rover. And of course, if you only wanted to focus on daycares and boarding, as many choose to do, you wouldn't be doing these at that level, which is totally fine. 2020 has changed all of that, with most businesses seeing an 80 to 90 percent drop in client demand. A lot of people worked from home. And for some pet care businesses, it was so bad that they went out of business entirely. Isabel from the WAG Pack talked about that in episode 124. She, after 100,000 visits and over 10 years in business, she decided that she wanted to get out of pet care and do something else. Right. Up until this year, midday dog walks were pitched as a way for people who were working long hours away from home to have their dog checked in and had their energy released while they were working. As you mentioned, Megan, with more people working from home this year, most of those clients didn't see a need to keep their walker on. Or or maybe they weren't able to because of a job loss or with all of the uncertainty in the world. On top of that, with lockdowns across the globe, people weren't taking vacations or taking their dogs with them and needing breaks for them while they were traveling. And so dog walkers really had to change their tactics and marketing messages. The term adventure hikes, you've probably heard us talk a lot about that, really exploded in popularity during the past 10 months because it was for those willing to go on two-hour hikes with a small number of dogs. We started marketing services directly to people working from home for Zoom meeting breaks or just to get some space during the day and getting their dogs' energy out. Dogs still need to run around and play, and if they're stuck at home underneath the desk of somebody who's working all day at a computer, that's not very fun for them. So dog walkers also pivoted to delivering favorite toys or treats to clients as a potential subscription service. And they also began digital training courses as well. Which is going to continue to grow and be huge in the years to come. 
It's important to remember that, as we've noted all along, dog and cat adoptions have skyrocketed through COVID, and this is awesome. (laughs) The market grew tremendously in the background, but the need is not really there right now for pet care providers so much, especially midday dog walkers. But as we get into 2021, we should be ready to meet that need and keep marketing to those potential clients to stay top of mind to those with dogs out there, but they just may not need us right now, but will in the future. Right. So that's how the the market has changed because of 2020. We saw a decrease in demand, but we saw a huge section of the industry pivot to all these new and interesting services. COVID in 2020 also changed how we prepare for walks. Suddenly, things like gloves, disinfectant wipes, masks, outdoor or contactless pickups, and coated webbing leashes all became standard overnight. And many of those things won't go away. And that's mostly because clients are looking for security and convenience. And we need to be able to meet that need in this very real way. That's right. People were looking for a way to clean and disinfect their gear. And so coated webbing like biothane really is attractive to people because it's easy to clean. Walkers also started bringing their own gear. We are really not fans of retractable leashes, so we were already accustomed to bringing our own gear anyway. But now it's even more so because we want to make sure that we aren't transferring bacteria or anything. We just want to keep everything nice and clean. It also brought this awareness of why it was so important to have and control your own gear. Yes, you were able to disinfect it and limit any potential spread through contact like that. It also gives us as walkers confidence that the gear that we're using is being maintained. And there's this standardization of gear, meaning that all of a sudden we don't have to learn 20 different styles of harnesses, clips, and gear and question whether it's being maintained properly or whether it's actually the right one to be using on that that dog. So what does a walk look like for us? The first thing to do is to know and understand your limits. So what behaviors are you willing to put up with? How large of a dog will you walk? Sure, (laughs) pulling is kind of funny on a 10-pound chihuahua who's being a little stubborn, but deadly with a 160-pound Great Dane. We screen our dogs and take them on test walks, especially if you plan on walking them frequently. Back in episode 81, Jess Bay with the School for Dog Walkers suggests giving them a trial period where both you and the owners know if it doesn't work out, then you won't be doing walks for them anymore. It's very important to know that going in because every dog is different. Every owner has trained them differently or not trained them at all. Right. And so you have to do a test walk to make sure that they're going to be a good fit for your pack or just for you. Right. It's giving them time and seeing what dogs they're going to work with if you're walking, if you choose to walk multiple dogs at the same time. You may decide, okay, well, well, Sally doesn't work with Joe and Bennett, so I need to make sure and put her in with a different group as I rotate them throughout the week. And there's the question of how many dogs are you going to walk? Well, it's what you're comfortable with. Many walkers choose to walk one at a time because either it's easier to manage or they live in the suburbs or they just don't want to pack walk for safety reasons. Or some owners specifically request that their dog be the only dog on the walk. Before we continue, I wanted to talk to you about our sponsor, Pet Sitters Associates. As pet care professionals, your clients trust you to care for their furry family members. Pet Sitters Associates is here to help. 
For over 20 years, they've provided thousands of members with quality pet care insurance. If you work in the pet care industry or want to make your passion for pets into a profession, you can take your career to the next level with flexible coverage options, client connections, and complete freedom in running your business. Learn why Pet Sitters Associates is the perfect fit for you and get a free quote today at PetSitLLC.com. You can get a discount when joining by clicking Membership Pet Sitter Confessional and use the discount code CONFESSIONAL at checkout to get $10 off today. Check out the benefits of membership and insurance once again at PetsitLLC.com. For us, we will only walk multiple dogs if they're from the same household. And that's just because that's what we're most comfortable with. And we do it so infrequently with most of the dogs that we care for that building up a routine with multiple dogs is a little bit more difficult. So if you're going to be walking the same area with the same dogs on a regular basis, it may be easier to build that routine so they have that familiarity of other dogs that they're going to be around with. If you do choose to walk multiple dogs at the same time, make sure your gear is up for that. Trying to adapt single leads into a multi-lead system can be really daunting, especially if you're not using your own equipment. So look into gear that's specifically designed for multiple dogs and not, again, not those terrible retractable leashes with two or three clips on the end. (laughs) (laughs) Those look like just an injury waiting to happen. They're these terrible things. (laughs) So during the meet and greet, we always ask two questions. The first one is, do you have a route you already walk? And two, are there any places we should avoid walking? The second part there is really key. They may know of a neighborhood dog or dangerous trails to stay away from that you don't necessarily know. We also like to ask about training expectations and commands that the dog is familiar with. And then we test them. We test them with the client there and we test them when the client is not there. Two things that are really important for us are uh, getting them to heal at stop signs or at crosswalks and knowing whether they have good recall in case they make a break for it or they try and lunge and you're not able to keep them on lead. So those two pieces are are really critical for us. And we can work on leash behavior and other things like that as we do walks with them. But those two right up front, we really have to get nailed down because that's that's safety for us and that's safety for the dog at the end of the day. Another reason recall is critically important is because if you decide you want to offer off-leash walks, recall is one of the only tools that you have to get the dog back. Now, off-leash walks are really popular in the UK, and they're not so popular here in the US, but they're growing in popularity. And one of the reasons they're not so popular here is because of local leash laws. These limit where you can provide them, or even if it's legal at all, to take them into a public place and be off-lead. Off-lead walks are not for everybody, and they're not for every dog. That's why it's so important to go through a thorough screening process and really work on them. If you're interested in providing these kind of walks, as I mentioned, you have to work with each and every single dog on recall and enforce it constantly. Obviously, you can't just go out and on the first day, let them off lead and expect them to be there at the end of the day. The first time you walk them, they're actually on a leash. And then you slowly increase the length of the leash. Then you drop the leash, all the while working on recall and getting a good group of dogs that work together. It's key to know that it's something that you work up to and not just something you dive right into. Because again, like I said, every dog is different. Every situation is different. And you need to protect yourself and your dogs as much as possible. Right. So if you're not wanting to have to put in that much work of actually training and reinforcement, off-lead walks might not be where you should focus on. 
Additionally, again, if you're interested in these, check your leash laws and see what places are off limits. See what kind of permits you need, because I know that is required in some states is to have them off lead. A lot of times over in the UK, they will have these large fenced in fields or popular areas where a lot of people go to take their dogs off lead, kind of at these these adventure walks almost that they're able to be off lead over there. And those kind of spaces are not as common over here in the U.S. So let's talk about gear a little more. Many clients have no clue what's good and what isn't. So either talk to them at the meet and greet or just an ongoing basis about what they need and maybe even require specific gear for you to walk them if you aren't comfortable with their own. Or like we've said, bring your own. (laughs) That's the easiest way to know and trust the gear as much as possible because you are the one working with it day in and day out. Gear can be a really touchy subject though. Just search in dog training Facebook groups for front versus back clip or literally anything with prong collars. (laughs) So know that going in. People are very divided on dog training and it can get pretty heated quickly. Personally, we see the need to be adaptable for every single dog and to never use anything in excess. We definitely fall in line with fear-free and know that we have to have those conversations with clients. To see exactly where they line up and their expectations are for dealing with their dog uh, because there may be a mismatch there of they're used to reacting in a certain way and being physical with their dog. And that's something we're not comfortable with and that we are not willing to reinforce and we will do it our own way. But having those conversations right up front, especially if you have a dog that's new to a leash or new to a group walk. You have to let that client know exactly how you're going to handle certain situations because otherwise you're going to have this miscommunication and that's that's never good when dealing with people or their pets. One of the biggest parts of gear are the shoes on your feet. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> We've heard that Noble, Merrill, and Sorrel are well-liked by many walkers, including us. We mm-hmm. love Merrill shoes. Check out our gear page on our website, petsitterconfessional.com slash gear for links to those shoes. And obviously, if you're doing predominantly concrete, so if you're in the city, that will require different shoes than if you're on a rugged mountain trail. But it's important to have good footwear for every season you'll experience, especially the rainy season. We've talked about how adventure walks can range up close to two hours. Our standard walk is 30 minutes, which seems to be really common among walkers. However, some choose to do 45, offer up to 60 minutes, and it's all depending about how you want your schedule to look. And think about it also for the kind of clients that you have. So the length of walk will depend a lot on the dog, age and breed, as well as the weather. On extremely cold or a really hot day, you're going to be doing a lot of shorter walks. If the dog is very young or very old, you're going to be doing shorter walks. So it really is about adapting each and every single walk to make it unique for the client, for their breed, for their age of dog, and the expectations that the client has. You'll also need to change and vary your pace and constantly monitor the dog to make sure it's keeping up okay or whether it may or may not need a break. We've heard many stories of dogs with undiagnosed heart conditions that then go out and do strenuous exercise and unfortunately succumb to it. That's obviously not a reason to just sit there and plod along, but absolutely it's so critical to work with the owner to find and get a good pacing, length, and distance for their dog dependent on the weather and the outcome that they want. 
So yes, check the weather. If it's too hot or too cold for your dog, then don't take them on a walk or take them on a very short walk. Remember, pavement is generally 20 degrees hotter than the air temperature, especially if it's in the direct sun. So put your hand on the pavement. And if you can't hold it there for five seconds, it's too hot to walk. You don't want blisters on the dog's paws. So either delay the walk for early in the a.m. or late in the p.m. or just wait for another day. Have backup routes, locations, and activities that you can provide if the weather isn't good. There are lots of games and puzzles out there. There's the snuffle mat. There's a lot of mental stimulation that you can still do even if you can't provide a walk for them. Or add training reinforcement on those days where those walks are shorter. So you can kind of pick and choose how you want to divide your time. We want to take a moment and talk to you about the upcoming Texas Pet Sitters Conference. It is February 19th through the 21st, 2021. And you have until December 31st to get in VIP registration. So the conference is totally free. It's online. You do not have to be a... Texas resident. You don't have to live in Texas. You don't even have to live in the United States. It's online. (laughs) (laughs) So you can attend from anywhere and it is totally free. All you have to do is go to txpetsitters.com and register. If you do want to be on the VIP registration, you can get a swag box. You get recorded video access to the conference. You are a founding member of the Texas Pet Sitters Association. But you only have until December 31st to do that. So if you are listening to this afterwards, I'm sorry. (laughs) But hopefully you're listening to this beforehand and you're able to register and get all that cool stuff if you want it. Head on over to TXPetSitters.com and get registered today. We just finished up talking about the weather. So if it's too hot or not, you need to bring water and maybe treats for you and for the dog. Don't forget about yourself. If you need a quick snack during the day, stuff a granola bar in your pocket or maybe an apple or something. And don't forget about the treats and especially the water on those hot days. Make sure the dog has his or her identification on and bring doggy bags for poop. So much poop. (laughs) Don't forget the doggy bags. Right. Nobody wants to be the one who is taking their dogs on the walk and doesn't have poop bags. And you have all those people looking at you as they're driving by or walking by and your dog's pooping and you're not able to pick it up. So... Have poop bags in your car, in every single pocket of your jacket, in your fanny pack or in your backpack. However you choose to store them, have them in multiple, multiple locations. Yes. So have a fanny pack or a small backpack. It should hold everything you need. And again, check out our gear resources page on our website. We asked our community of dog walkers and pet sitters what they liked best, and we compiled those answers on our website. Do keep in mind, though, that some dogs won't poop on walks. Maybe they like, maybe they don't like going on concrete. Or maybe they don't feel safe uh, on a leash or around new environments. Just know that there are dogs out there that won't poop on a walk and to, to note that and let your client know if that happens. And so maybe cut the walk a few minutes shorter than normal so that they can, if they have a yard, go outside and go poop in the yard. Right. Also, many clients are increasingly expecting to see where you walked. So having a way to track GPS is a very nice addition. If you have an iPhone or use Strava or really any other run tracking app, you can always start a workout, track the walk, and then screenshot the results and send to your clients. But there's a lot of apps already out there that will do this for you. Doggy Log, 
Rover, Map My Walk are options as well. Just be sure to track your walk with a GPS verified system. You always want to have a record that you walked the dog. There have been way too many sitters over the years that have skimped on walks and or really not done them entirely. So some clients may be leery and want verification that the walk was actually completed. And that gets to communication, to communicate with your client about what happened on the walk. How many times did Fido go pee or poop? Did they chase a squirrel or bark at a dog passing by? Did they pull or were they well behaved? The more info you can give, especially in a story format and tell a narrative, the better. We've found that communication is especially key for owners of puppies because a lot of them are trying to do a lot of leash training and work on some behavior issues. And they just want to know because they're really excited to have their puppy and really excited to have their puppy taken care of. So the more photos that you can send of them in new and different locations, the more, again, that that story format and narrative that you can give them, the better that that is going to be. Unfortunately, if you've been walking the same dog weekly for several months or years, the updates can get really monotonous. And I know I am very bad about coming up with new and unique updates. So try and take a slightly different route so the dog can smell new things and you can get new pictures in different places. That's something that I've really been trying to do with one of our newer clients is exploring some of the more historic parts of downtown and getting the dog's photo taken in these new and interesting locations where maybe they haven't been before and telling a story about how we got there, maybe things we learned about or a little bit of the history of the area as well. Now, the dog doesn't care about the history, but the client likes seeing that and likes knowing of the locations that we've been to. We like to allow plenty of time after a walk to give the dog access to water before they are either crated or or we leave. And so it's, it's, it's so that we can make sure that they are well hydrated and that we've documented and sent that to the owner. If you've been dog walking for really any amount of time, you need to be mindful of micro injuries as well. They can really build up and not really be noticeable until there's an issue. So taking care of your shoulders, your knees, and your hands is critical to avoiding injuries, which is why having the best gear for you is so important. Bad shoes can sometimes equal bad knees. Bad leads can equal bad hands and shoulders. And it's also a reminder to directly work on pullers or other behavior issues ASAP and not just hope it'll go away. Let the owner know that you would like to start working on this or have the owner work on it as well. The combination of you and the owner working on it will help to solve the problem faster with the dog. You can either suggest leash training for the client or, as you mentioned, start implementing some of those basics on your walk. Here, redirection is absolutely key uh, through treats or subtle pulls and always using strong, firm commands. We can also suggest that the client buy or, again, bring your own compression or directional harness as part of that training with the goal to eventually not need any of those at the end of it. Now, if you're having a lot of problems, this is a great way to partner with local trainers and do referrals to them in those kind of instances. Whether you're walking a small dog or a large dog, safety is also something else we should definitely consider. The most important aspect of dog walking is just being aware of your surroundings. Is there a a loose dog coming up to you? Is there a streetlight that's out and you're walking in the middle of the night? Be aware of where you're walking at all times and what is around you. Maybe not have your 
headphones in. (laughs) (laughs) Which is really hard for me because I'm constantly listening to podcasts and to music. But when I'm out on dog walks, I'm taking those out because I need to be hearing things around me. I need to be hearing the world around me and I need to be aware of that. I mean, just the other day, uh, I was walking a new client and suddenly from across the street came this loose dog just running straight at us. And I caught it just out of the corner of my eye and actually heard the nails on the asphalt as it was running towards us. Uh, I got the dog I was walking behind me and I was able to stay between the two. Now, thankfully, the other dog was not aggressive. It was just really curious and it was able to be persuaded away after a few minutes. Now, had I not been constantly looking around and watching or had my my ear AirPods in, I would have missed that dog entirely and it could have ended a lot worse. So it's also important if you're walking early morning or late at night to have reflective gear on and maybe a flashlight or two. Safety is always priority. You might also consider carrying pepper spray if you're really concerned, which can be used for both human or stray dogs who can get aggressive sometimes. You can use pepper spray or sometimes an air horn is a great way because here we're trying to think of, yes, our safety, but also scaring away any stray dogs or, again, people that are coming across us that could cause us harm. So trying to come up with some things that you have on your person, so a combination of pepper spray, air horns, and having your phone always charged and ready to go is also a great thing to have on. I'll also add here that it is a really good idea and a really good reminder that we should all be pet CPR and first aid trained for instances, especially when we are out and about on walks, even more so when you are doing adventure walks and you may be well removed from the nearest help. There are special outdoor and backpacking kind of first aid classes that may interest you if that's something that you're going to be providing. But at a bare minimum, we should be pet CPR and first aid trained, and we should have a first aid kit located in our car. And then you can always carry a smaller version of that on your person as you're doing walks. So we like to have gauze, wraps, uh, blunt end scissors, cold packs, hydrogen peroxide, tweezers, cotton balls, nail clippers, antibiotic ointment, not neosporin because that is actually uh, toxic and to dogs. So get a veterinary antibiotic ointment specific to use on pets. And then you can change it up based on where you're walking and the kind of things that you may or may not encounter. Obviously, having extra leashes, an extra carrier, um, collapsible water bowls, all of those kind of things are going to really benefit you. And you may only have to use it one time, but it's the one time that you do need it that you're going to be thankful that you have those packed. So again, Have a larger first aid kit located in your car and even back at your home, and then have a smaller version of that in your fanny pack or in the backpack that you're using as you're carrying all of the other stuff that you have as well. We would really like to know how walks have been for you this year. Pre-COVID, were you doing midday walks all the time and now you're not? Or did you switch to dog walking? Did you switch services to something else? We would like to know that. Have you had to change any of your services? You can give us a call. Our number is 636-364-8260, or you can find us anywhere on social media at Petsitter Confessional. Natasha O'Banion is going to answer the question, why do a year-end review? Going into the last week of 2020, what's the best way to do a year-end review? (laughs) I love reviews. Reviews are so great, like quarterly, by the way. So you should be reviewing your business every quarter, okay? Because you're going to put new things in, you're going to test it, and you're going to see what worked and what didn't work every single quarter. 
So going into the new year, it's like, it doesn't really matter that it's the new year because you were doing this every quarter. You were setting resolutions all year long. It's something that you are used to doing. Um, but set realistic goals for yourself. Goals you can keep, promises you can keep to yourself. You know, I know people who write a 20 item to-do list and they end up getting maybe three or four things done and then they feel like unmotivated or unaccomplished. So set quarterly goals, even going into the first quarter of the new year that you can accomplish and feel good about. Mini goals. Small things that you can attain. And again, not waiting to the end of the year, as you said, doing these quarterly ones because you're making small course adjustments constantly, constantly seeing, trying out new things and just chunking away at it so that it's easier. It is easier to review because you're not having to sit down and go, oh gosh, that was 365 days ago and I said I was going to do that. Like, what was I What was I even doing then? Because it's, it's easier to remember, it's easier to recall, easier to find, all sorts of stuff. And it's also training the body for natural behavior, right? So any new habit we're going to learn, we're going to learn up into 45 days. So I see this all the time and you guys, we know in the gym and everywhere else is that people are living their best, amazing, productive life in January and February. And then come March, we're falling off and the stuff we were posting and the excitement we were given is just dying down. So if you're constantly training this behavior to check in on your business, check on your financial health, check on your business health, your staff health, your family health, you're training yourself to do this constantly, you're going to always stay on your game. But if you're like, okay, it's a new year, I got to be amazing. Oh, it's spring. Uh, I know I've said, but you know what I mean? It's just natural. You know, we're all human. These are just natural things that we're all going to do. Just like the gym membership, you know, gyms are busy and then come February, at March, it's empty again. <laughs> so slowly create these lifestyle changes that not shock the system, right? Like nobody wants to shock the system. <laughs> so that's what I would say. Not only does Natasha have her own personal pet business, but she is a pet business coach as well. And if you would like to use her coaching services, you can go to startscalesale.com and use the code PSC20 for any of her coaching. As we come to the end of the episode today, we thank you so much for taking your most valuable asset, your time, and listening to us today. It is so much fun to create these episodes and we are so thrilled that you continue to listen every week. Right. This year has been an absolute whirlwind and we are beyond humbled by the response and by the feedback and by you taking the time out of your really busy days to listen to us every week. You have no idea how much that means to us and we are so thankful for you in that time that you're giving us. And, and we, we really do not take that lightly and it means so much to us. We also want to thank Pet Sitters Associates and the Texas Pet Sitters Conference for sponsoring this episode today. We hope you will join us again next time. <laughs>